Hey everybody, welcome to Live for Your Sci. We're going to be going over this article that's talking about national divorce, which is kind of in the news because Marjorie Taylor Greene was tweeting about it. So anything that Marjorie Taylor Greene says, we stand behind fully. <laughs> so, Jesus. Uh, Jeremy, you want to kick it off and start reading the article? It's a short one, right? So uh, the article is called The National Divorce Delusion, The Right's Favorite Fantasy Shows Its Impotence. And it's by Scott Greer, written on February 21st. So he says, conservatives today feel helpless. They can't win elections, shape culture, or exert any power over their children's schools. Many feel completely alienated from the political process. National divorce is a way to cope with that disconcerting reality. He's already off to being wrong about everything. Okay, that's good. All right. That's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what did that? I mean, you can't exert any power over their children's schools because there's not a vibrant charter school movement in America because there aren't any homeschool movements in America because you can't send your kid to a private school. It's just, that's it. There's no hope. You, you have no power whatsoever, right? Yeah. And yeah, so you know, you're half of the country and you feel alienated from the political process. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy should spend four minutes as a libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny about being a libertarian is you get ridiculed for never having political power, but you also get blamed for everything that's wrong in society because of libertarian free market. We should read the comments. It has to be one or the other. If we get to the end of this, we should read the comments because there's some people who are essentially saying that at the end. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so anyways, yeah, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene reiterated her support for the hopeless idea earlier this week. We need a national divorce, she tweeted. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk uh, to says this. Uh, from the sick and disgusting woke cultures issues uh, shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies. We are done. Greene doubled down on her call for national divorce from her official congressional Twitter account. Impeach Biden or give us a national divorce, she declared. In another tweet, she insisted national divorce is not a civil war. Liberals and respectable conservatives denounce Green's tweets. The New Republic accused Green- Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell is a respectable conservative? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? So, so you didn't put it in po- square, scare quotes. So does respectable conservative mean conservatives who agree with me? Yeah. Um, as opposed to conservatives who don't agree with me, like what does that what does that even begin to mean? I think it's yeah, uphold the union no matter what conservatives. That makes uh, you respectable. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Even so, Ben was even just saying before we started recording that he's been talking to his uh, uh, coworker about Abraham Lincoln, who. Uh, yeah, we were talking about President's Day, and I was like, I don't like any of the presidents. And then he's like, not even Abraham Lincoln. Coolidge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> he uh, he was like, why don't you like Lincoln? And I gave him all the reasons, and he essentially agreed with me. He's like, I think it's a legitimate thing, because he's a conservative, to say that Lincoln destroyed the prospects of having federalism. But he kept the union together, so it's all worth it. Well, you know, once you ha- sacrifice about 800,000 human lives on the altar of state power, uh, then you can keep everything going just great, right? I mean, yeah. it worked It worked for the Aztecs. Why not work for us? <laughs> okay, yeah. So I guess there's just the, there's an aspect of conservatism where, or a subsection of conservatism that, you know, that is a absolute no-no talking about, which just includes this guy, Scott Greer, as he'll go on to... Uh, to confirm so he says uh national divorce is neither destruct uh is neither destructive nor evil it's just dumb conservatives who entertain it are like a battered woman who dreams about leaving her uh, domineering husband but knows she never will it's a fantasy to avoid real world problems dear this lord was, this whoa, is, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like saying this is my favorite this is my favorite line so, of the entire thing holy crap <laughs> wrong metaphor there so yeah we, we, wrong we, we analogy. i know we should break that apart <laughs> well, that definitely can that definitely convinced yeah. me that i want to be a respectable conservative so i can yeah. say shit like that women should know their place and stay with their abusing husband obviously it's funny he uses the perfect like analogy that we would use to advocate for secession. Exactly. Yeah, right. You wouldn't say, "Hey, yeah. shut up and take it." You say, "Uh, yeah. leave." <laughs> yeah. 
the next the next thing but, uh, what is it greer it, well, who was yeah, that greer. he's yeah. gonna he's gonna say look the gop shouldn't have worn what they were wearing if they didn't want to get <laughs> but that's the funny thing his next sentence says nations are not marriages so why are you using the fucking analogy well i mean <laughs> to some extent analogies don't break down right there's no such thing yeah. as a perfect analogy yeah, we sure. get that but he he did choose just about the worst possible analogy. <laughs> I mean, when you start going to domestic abuse, the answer is to leave. Yeah. So, um, are you? Are, is he secretly pro secession? I don't know. Yeah, because it, it's. It, I found it very odd that he uses what we would use as an analogy to advocate against secession. So, yeah. um, let's see how he tries to tie this all together. Uh, yeah, he says nations are marriages. The most powerful empire in world history will not break up amicably in family court. Unless there is a massive economic collapse, far worse than the Great Depression, and America is dethroned as a global power, we will remain one country. There's, there's something to be said for that, right? There is an yeah, issue with I, powerful empire not going to go quietly into the night. There's also the fact that powerful empires have broken up quite simply and amicably. Uh, a great example is the Roman Empire. The yeah. empire in the east was like uh the west sucks and it's poor and there's always like germans over there and that's no fun so we're just gonna ignore them and hang out over here in the east and make our own country and it was fine and they stayed a country for another thousand years over in the eastern roman empire right what we call the byzantines um the soviet union anyone i yeah. mean if you told ronald reagan in 1983 that within a decade the soviet union will have peacefully uh, deconstructed itself into separate republics, what would he have said about the evil empire? He told you you were delusional and dreaming, and yet mm -hmm. it happened. So sure, there is something to be said about, about power, wanting to keep power. And of course, there's a chance that uh, secession could lead to a second civil war or something like that. But it's not like we don't have evidence through history that it is possible for large nations to say, we don't have enough in uh, in common culturally anymore to to stay unified and the, I mean, and the soviet union broke up into separate cultures not entirely obviously ukraine has issues and you know but on the whole that, that's how they broke up correct yeah splitting I mean, off into their own lines, cultures. There's, there's linguistic lines there's cultural lines of yeah. course. and so his point he made the point that it would take a massive economic collapse that kind of was the case for the soviet union right like it took you know, they went into the war with Afghanistan and they, it was a combination of several things that kind of, uh, do you think it took that economic collapse for it to it break was, up? It never really collapsed per se. It was undergoing sort of a multi-decade economic collapse, you know, like America is, uh, <laughs> where there wasn't necessarily some kind of massive cataclysmic event that, that touched it off. It was, it was economically diminishing like we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing is we kind of, we built ourselves, we had more of kind of, we had a more capitalist free market beginning that allowed us to build up higher than they did. Correct. Which is going to take us longer to collapse. Yeah, but, I mean, we have a massive economy and yet yeah. a government that is in, is purely bankrupt, has been bankrupt for years, yeah. literally has nothing and is falling apart. And yeah. I mean, the, the, the reality is our government is going to drive a collapse that's going to force a separation because they're completely irresponsible. Yeah. So at least that point is kind of seems like it, it's plausible and valid that it, a collapse could initiate a, a breakup. Well, here's a the, question. He says, unless there is a massive economic collapse, far worse than the Great Recession. What does he think is happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're $31.5 trillion in debt. CBO, which always undercounts uh, future liabilities, says that we're going to add $20 trillion to the debt in the next 10 years. So within a decade, we'll be in $51 trillion in debt. Um, when you compare this to the EU, which has, what, 26, 27 member countries, uh, plus its own massive, um, you know, supranational government, the there's 500 million people living there so it's a larger um you know political union than we have and they're sitting at what 16 trillion debt we, we've yeah. grown up hearing about how those dumb socialists in europe can't make anything work and their their system is unsustainable and it's all going to collapse under its own weight and we're already double their debt for the eurozone and it's only increasing for us 
Yeah, you're and, talking and the, uh, the, the U is broken up. What, uh, the U is not solid. It's not a solid block. But this here. this goes to his next point where he talks about national wars would only happen if America was weak. But we are weak. Yeah, that's what I, that's. It's just interesting. Yeah, I think these are these I, are I, things that are, what he would. I mean, let's we should read on because he's kind he, of tries yeah. to justify that point. These might be things that are beyond the comprehension of respectable conservatives. That's true. Of course, America is the most powerful thing that ever existed. It's going to be a thousand year right, of course. <laughs> okay, so uh, national divorce could only occur if America is more weak. Uh, as alienated as conservatives may feel, the state today is undeniably strong. Uh, America, <laughs> America is still- well, The state is strong, yes, the, meaning well, the government. Well, he says, he says America is still the undisputed military and economic power of the world. It has the power. First part's to... correct. Yeah, right? I mean, it's still, it's all well, still correct, but the, the, the cracks are very, very visible. Yeah. And the trajectory is horrific. The, the trajectory is we are over leveraged. Yeah. Yeah. So he says uh, America has the power to make Europe voluntarily wreck its own economy, which I'm not sure what he means by that. I think I would assume that he's talking about how we tricked the entirety of Europe into the stupid proxy war with Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did. And, and when you look at some of the, the funny things about all of that, like, what is it uh, now Europe is getting half of their natural gas from America? Well, that's pretty fascinating. They're building this you know, pipeline and Russia's taking over the natural gas market of Europe. and. That means that American exports of national gas, natural gas, were, fall, were uh, falling. Not anymore. So, <laughs> wait, wait. We want to ban natural gas in private homes in the U.S., but we also want to sell Europe all of our natural gas. Also, isn't natural gas one of the least carbon emitting uh, hydrocarbons? Yes. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen the last six, seven years? No global warming. Yeah, right. Um, the, well, sorry to preface that. Cool. The NOAA data says no global warming since 2015. Yes. But uh, you're not allowed to say that because everyone gets mad. What's the but NOAA it's data? Snowing, it's snowing in Los Angeles, Drew. Case in point. <laughs> Wait, what is the NOAA data? You're not a scientist. So, so NOAA, like, you know, the official NOAA. atmospheric science group for, for the U.S. basically says through the satellite record that there's been no observable warming trend since 2015. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, carbon is being dumped into the atmosphere like crazy, which tells you if you're a sane, rational person, you start to wonder if, I'm not saying it's proven, but you start to wonder if the carbon hypothesis has been falsified. Uh, it should at least be discussed. But instead, as we massively pump carbon into the atmosphere, there's no observed warming. So it sounds to me like there's a weak correlation at best, and possibly which, the entire premise has been falsified. Which, by the way, that's why a while back they tried to switch it to climate change as opposed to global warming. Yeah. All right, I didn't mean to get this, us off topic. It's okay. We gotta gotta smash that real quick, and then we'll move on. Okay. Uh, so uh, America has the power to make Europea, Europe uh, voluntarily wreck its own economy. The government has imprisoned hundreds of Americans for unauthorized tourism at the Capitol. It will not let its own people peacefully separate over gender neutral Mr. Potato Head. Unauthorized tourism? That's <laughs> yes, what it was. I mean, right, right, right. But they, but they went but they were imprisoned without a trial for two years for unauthorized tourism. Well, that's his point. That's his point. Is like if they bring the hammer down for people doing as benign of a thing as entering the capital in a large group. Um, and this person and, thinks all of this is okay. I guess. No, no. He's saying like if they'll do that, imagine what they'll do if you try and secede. Like it's build. just it's just weird that he's basically saying the GOP is a battered wife who will throw in prison for no reason. But you should accept that. You yes, should tolerate exactly. it. You should, you should okay. stop dreaming. You should preserve the union. Let me try and join our side. Let me try and steal, man, what I think he's saying. He's saying that if your wife in a in an abusive relationship and you know for a fact that if you try and leave, the husband will kill you. So kill him first. But he's completely exceeding yes. the moral ground of who is right. Yeah, in the situation. He's, he's basically saying the Jew is moral that's and we are not. Tell. Therefore, we win. Well, I don't think he's saying it's 
to be the most charitable to him, I don't think he's saying that it's right. I think it's just, he's saying this is the reality is that uh, you do have to accept it because there's such a power imbalance, which I don't know, isn't that kind of like what you agree with, Drew? Like that it's like, not, not, not that, that that's the reality of the situation that you agree that real politic view then the argument is yes that there's a bunch of state power that's going to be enacted against you and that the point of having individual rebellions is kind of pointless because you're never going to have enough critical mass right what what klaus fitz calls the schwerpunkt you're never going to be able to to actually topple the uh the center of gravity of the state by individual action um but what you if you look at american history right why do we even have a country because when government overstepped, rather than saying, what are you going to do? The British Empire is the most powerful force in the world. People went, hey, isn't this messed up? Shouldn't we all sort of unify and rally around the idea mm-hmm. that this is messed up and then tell Britain they can't do that anymore? Yeah, which is the opposite of what he's doing in this article. He's, 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 saying, basically, he's saying everyone should abandon the idea. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's this point. is somebody who would be telling the yeah. founding fathers that uh, you're a weak little colony and Britain's a superpower and you should just shut up and take it. Which is what you wouldn't think would be a trait of a respectable conservative. No kidding. Yeah. Um, Okay. So secessions require uh, insurgents with political and institutional power. National divorce. Not really. The secession doesn't require an insurgency. An insurgency is different from a secession. An insurgency is an attempt to topple governments that you don't like. Secession is removing yourself from the government you don't like. Uh, okay. Removing yeah. consent. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's as though he thinks like secession would involve like burning down the secession is not a revolution. You're not trying to have a revolution and and you're gonna go march and tear down Gavin Newsom's house and be like, now California is gonna do what we want it to do. Like that's not what yeah. secession is about. It's we don't uh, like you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> during so, the Civil War. During the Civil War. The South seceded. Uh, they defended their homeland. They won to a point and did not invade the North for a while. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, but yeah. So, like secession done properly would involve, like, it would be on the federal government to initiate violence. There would be no right. uh, done improperly would be yeah. Uh, so it wouldn't be considered by definition secession if Texas decided to go invade Mexico and invade like all the neighboring states and occupy them secession would just be texas being like we're not a part of this anymore uh if you guys invade us that's on you and we'll retaliate and defend ourselves so which people always try and flip that around when they're talking about secession as though the person who the wife who's leaving is committing violence not the husband who's demanding that they stay don't you know that the confederates who fired on fort sumter they're the ones at fault not lincoln reinforcing a fort against the express demands of the state (laughs) government of south carolina (laughs) so they intercepted the or they blew up the supply ships that were going to that fort they basically said this is our territory get out and leave and rather than negotiate or discuss it lincoln said no and reinforced the troops at the fort yeah i mean that's I'm sorry, when when you start moving troops into a territory, is that not an act of war? Seems like it is to me. Especially when there'd been tensions leading up to that and Mm -hmm. didn't decide to do that. What is the, uh, I'm not, you know, again, this is a a sort of a relevant conversation with a liberal or progressive who want a new constitution. What does the constitution specifically say about, consent of the governed leaving leaving the united states nothing the consent of the governed argument comes from the declaration of independence okay right that's that's jeffersonian talking points um what about the, the aspect- constitution doesn't discuss secession or anything like that at all so the only thing is free speech and guns and a, mil- uh, a militia to protect yourself like if the government got worse but doesn't specifically say how you would then get out of the union in that process well i mean it's a, again very different documents. We try to tie them together. People try to view our founding documents like it's the Bible, like it's some kind of stitched together group of different authors that are all divinely inspired and on the same page. Jefferson's Jefferson, right? The the Federalists who were behind the Constitution were not Jefferson, right? Take a look at Shays' Rebellion. Take a look at uh, the Whiskey Rebellion, and Jefferson's response to both of those was like, "Hell yeah, rebellions are awesome," <laughs> right? 
Um, that's his response to Abigail, Abigail Adams. And Abigail Adams is all upset about Shay's rebellion. And he's like, I think rebellion's a good thing every now and then. And she's like, you're terrible. Um, <laughs> so, so Jefferson is all in on consent of the governed and that you not only have a right, but a duty to rebel against tyrants. And then the Federalists who create our constitution are like, nah, we like being tyrants. Um, so yeah, they're, they're very different. The whole argument for secession comes from the, the Declaration of Independence. It doesn't come from the constitution. Okay. Uh, okay. So back to the article. He says, uh, "Yeah, secession require secessions require insurgents with uh, political and institutional power." So I, I don't think he intentionally meant to use insurgents. He just doesn't speak English because he's a yeah. American. He's a uh, yeah. yeah. Well, his his point his point is like, yeah, it's not going to be yeah, sure. Uh, Sessions require insurgents with political and institutional power. National divorce advocates, unlike antebellum Southerners, have neither. The movement is led by an assortment of podcasters and talking heads. Yeah, that's us. Yay. <laughs> wait, wait, you guys are secessionists? <laughs> well, I mean, to this point, like, you have to start somewhere. Like, any idea that eventually makes it up to some political power has to start with people just, like, talking about it. Does well, he imagine exactly. just spontaneously? If you want to go back to the American Revolution, it wasn't like Britain did some stuff and then people were like, and that's it. It's this massive groundswell and everyone revolts. It yeah. starts off with journalists and propaganda and pamphleteers mm -hmm. and people saying, people like Thomas Paine, for example, with common sense. What is Thomas Paine? If you want to go back and look at Thomas Paine's life, he's failed at literally everything he ever did except being a revolutionary. He had like nine different careers where he failed at all of them. He's just this, this shipless dork that, uh, that basically Benjamin Franklin thought was cool. So he brought him over to America and and his only success in life was he helped kickstart our revolution and France's revolution because he moved to France and started it there, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Wait, so like, he's like he's like Karl Marx. He's a professional for, for freedom, except it works, right? right. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, if you want to go back to that, I mean, you know, Common Sense gets published. It's one of these this is this powerful pamphlet that goes throughout the colonies. Everyone's reading it publicly, discussing it in taverns, and you would have Greer here going, "Who's this Thomas Paine guy?" He's no power. He's not important. He commands no armies. He's a failure who failed at every career he's ever had. And now he's just trying to stir up resentment and agitation. We should ignore this. And of course, he, the, the glory of our nation is that we didn't ignore Thomas Paine. He literally, he's saying this after a few paragraphs earlier, mentioning that it was publicly advocated for by not saying that she's like a huge heavyweight uh, person with a lot of sway, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the more popular uh, well-known uh, Congress people, so. Well, yeah. well-known to what? 10% of the population? Everybody, no, everybody knows who that is. AOC is. on the right? Yeah, she is. She's the right's AOC. I don't know but if she's respected, like, but she's well-known. No, 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 yeah. I, sure. bet you, I bet you, I bet you 5% of the, of the population knows who AOC is and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I bet you. Jeremy makes a good point, though, that you do have a congressman here saying these things. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, congresswoman. I want to be inclusive with my language. Yeah. Um, person. Congressperson. Sorry, I can't yeah. gender. I can't gender anything. Con congressperson. Yes. Yeah. Um, Congress entity. Um, yeah, that that is a good point. That you have somebody who has elected important office here that is saying these things. Can again compare that with the American Revolution? Could you imagine somebody in Parliament in 1770 being like, "Yeah, America should should separate and secede from from Britain"? Like it's it's unconscionable. You can't. It's unimaginable. You can't imagine that happening, right? So there is already more traction for this idea that you would see than we had from our original secession from England. Yeah, and it's gonna. It's like it's been becoming more popular in polls. The idea of breaking up the country among both political party affiliations, and so I think, and uh, you know, um, politician rhetoric lags those polls. I think as as they start to see that it becoms more popular. Oh, absolutely right. To yeah. be if they, like, because they. Yeah. Uh, like they when Obama have, was for gay marriage after yeah, like exactly. the majority they, of people were for gay marriage. These people don't have principles. Or they do have principles, but what they what they kind of principle is power seeking and rent seeking. Yes, yes, that's that's what it like. So they don't have no principles, but it's not the way that we try and form our philosophy. It's they they do it as what what 
positions do I take that's going to enhance my power the most? Yeah. And if and a lot of times they'll look at polls for that. And so you may see it become more popular. It'll start with the crazies like Marjorie Taylor Greene, and it could expand to more quote unquote respectable politicians uh, and snowball into something. Okay, yeah, back to the article. Uh, okay, the movement is led by an assortment of podcasters and talk heads. Meanwhile, the establishment controls our military, our economic system, our political infrastructural, uh, federal law enforcement, the courts, the mainstream media, the schools, the universities, the federal purse, organized labor, and pretty much every state government. The so only the exact same thing is every government ever before yes. somebody takes down the government. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's yeah, almost right. like so, they're baiting so, someone to do it. You, you could have said the same thing about the Soviet Union weeks before it fell, right? Exactly. So this it's not a good point of like, oh, therefore we'll never have secession and it can't happen. But he's being like, look how totalitarian our government is. Let's just keep chugging right. along. He's not like, this is a problem. Or, or, I'm think, curious, does he, does he have some solution for this beyond secession? Is well, he like, we'll turn this around, just vote harder? Like where I think I, if I, I read this a couple of days ago, but I think okay, let's keep going somewhere into that area. So he says the only institutions potentially sympathetic to right wing separation are parts of the Republican Party apparatus and police unions, both of which many national divorce advocates want to abolish, leaving them with no real organizations to champion their cause beyond a few rumble channels. Would be national divorce filers have no leverage. Representative Green's threat that Biden must be impeached to stop national divorces akin to a child threatening to put their mom in time out unless they get more ice cream. The Georgia lawmaker doesn't command a majority of the Freedom Caucus, let alone the GOP. Her demand was not made on behalf of uh, a region, a party, or an ethnic bloc. She was speaking as an individual with an impressive but niche audience. Well, I don't know about that. I mean... Again, we've already we've already established that a lot of people polled believe that it might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, also from yeah, his perspective, and I'm making some assumptions here, but don't they think that representatives are speaking for the people that elected them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he just completely throws out that idea. Yeah. If she's elected <laughs> the next time, yeah, what does he say at that point? Because everything know. in our country actually works like an eighth grade civics class. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying from his perspective, he probably believes that, right? Or he yeah, would say that. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. That's what a respectable conservative would do. Oh. Yeah. By the way, uh, did you see? I think the name of his column is highly respected. <laughs> it is. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Secessionists. Uh, threats made by Southern politicians in the lead up to the Civil War were very, were very different. When John C. Calhoun or Jefferson Davis threatened disunion over a particular policy, people took it seriously. Calhoun and Davis represented the political and commercial of the South. Their words mattered. Green only represents herself and her district. No one takes uh, her threat seriously. If Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy said the same, maybe that would be different. But, but once again, he's cutting to the end of the story. He's acting mm. like John C. Calhoun and Jefferson Davis talking about disunion in, in you know, 1858 uh, is, is somehow the beginning of the story of secession. It's not, right? Um, Calhoun threatened secession in the 1830s where people didn't necessarily take it seriously. Um, we have a whole history of people basically saying that secession was a possibility long before anyone actually discussed it. Look at the first draft of Jefferson's Kentucky Resolution. Long before the Civil War, Jefferson in the Kentucky Resolution said that when the federal government oversteps the compact of the Constitution, states are allowed to do to nullify that, right? And when they nullify, if the government ignores the nullification, they have the right to secede. Now, they literally took that out of the first draft because even Kentucky, which, which wanted um, Jefferson to write the Kentucky Resolution, were like, whoa, 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 too far, too far, too far, right? So people were saying exactly what this guy is saying, you know, decades before the Civil War actually blew up. And he's cutting to the point right before actual secession and saying people took this seriously. Well, because the snowball had snowballed, right? Yeah. Now it was a snowman and it was time to deal with it. Yeah, even, yeah. So basically it's, it's totally not beyond the pale that 15 years from now or 20 years from now, it, the, what he's talking about does happen. Right, where, Overton where, window, right? Yeah. The fact that yeah. it's being discussed by the national media means the Overton window yeah. has shifted. 
yeah, when you I see was this a child, the idea that people would talk about secession seriously was was not possible. So the Overton window is shifting, and as the Overton window shifts, like you guys have already said, politics is a lagging indicator behind popular opinion. I will say, in the '90s, though, it probably never went away. There's there's always been the South will rise again. Uh, and then nineties, uh, but it's been, it, it was, kind of fun. we should, we should, that's what I heard. Cause there's a lot of good red meat coming up. Uh, okay. Should, okay. okay. Uh, so if, if Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy had, uh, said the same, maybe that would be a different story, but they're not making a, that threat and they never will. Uh, state governments could snub federal power more directly, but that comes at great risk. States are far more dependent on federal funding than they uh, were in the antebellum era. Roads, schools, police, and scores of other essential services depend on federal aid. And that's the problem. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. 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 It, we've, we've mentioned this before, but the idea that you should avoid being dependent on others because it, they control, have a certain control over you. Yeah. That, it's weird that he doesn't recognize that as a problem. Well, that's, that's, how, we that's how we raise children. Yeah, and but totally control them and take away. Don't don't give them any rights. To skip forward a little bit in his thing, the next paragraph starts with perhaps the biggest obstacle to national divorce is the absence of any concrete justification of separation. What? Yeah, that's. It's yeah. like you're giving justifications. Yeah, just pretty general. I mean, going back to Benjamin Franklin, right? I mean, to paraphrase him: the, the debtor is a slave to the lender. Mm -hmm. You know, don't don't owe the federal government because they get to control you precisely. Yeah. I, I believe, didn't a lot of states leave the federal educational program recently? Um, uh, I'm not sure. I know no that- what you're talking about. I don't know. I, I know there was, there, was this, there was this movement where like five to 10 states uh, opted out of some national program uh, due to um, basically when the shutdown happened and people were horrified at what their children were. Uh, learning I, I know i know that the charter school school choice movement has gained a lot of traction over the as a result of what you're talking about matt but i don't know any like concrete examples i just i follow a guy who's like he's like a cato guy who's one of the lead advocates for that legislation and he always is posting you know uh updates of like oh this state legislator voted to have uh school funds follow the student and not the school Stuff like that. Yeah, Arizona just did that, but um, yeah. So, but there's oh, stuff um, like here and there. But but so what's interesting though about his his point of the like that uh, in the antebellum South they weren't as dependent on the federal government as they are now. He's acknowledging that there was once a time where states were handling that on their own. Yeah, he's not prior to eighteen sixty five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, also. Uh, you know, you want to discuss how far this uh, national divorce has gone. Our own president commented on it. He said, you have, you're no match for F-15s. And even though he, he, he meant it as a joke, that means all the way up to the top. There yeah, that's that's the husband saying, I'm a man. If you yeah. leave, I'm way stronger than you. I'm going to kill yeah, you. It's wrong you're to like, leave your husband because he's stronger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike makes right, idiots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's why I, I love so much that he included that line in this in yeah. this article because it's so great to as he goes through it to go back to that line. Okay, but uh so continuing, he says, road schools, police, and scores of other essential services depend on federal aid. The state governor would uh jeopardize all that by even threatening to secede from the federal government. He would also forsake a great deal of business. Most Republican governors focus primarily on attracting more business investment to their state, not ensuring businesses flee the state. So this is interesting. Yes, yeah, it's is like, that a given that that's going to happen? Like, what if, like, what if, uh, like, if Texas, for example, seceded and like rolled back regulations and made it so that it was easy okay. to open up? Why would? Why is it a given that because they're they seceded, uh, you're not going to go? Texas is going to secede and give his 0% corporate income tax. And then everybody moves to Texas. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, the, the, it would only depend on if if the government came down. I guess in his in his head, came down just be having secession attached to your state, the fact that you did it makes you like toxic. And, and so no company is going to go there, whether or not they can make more money or not. 
it doesn't make sense. I don't know. In, in, a, in addition, uh, the federal government takes money from the state and then gives it back to the state. So if you secede, you never lose that money to the federal government. You directly fund your own schools and roads and all that. So it, it's it's a it's it basically saying, oh, we have this. It's too complicated of a system, and it's like, no, I'm just going to simplify it. You're out of the picture. You don't get your cut. Yeah. So it says he says it would be a lot to expect from uh, to, it would be a lot to expect a Republican governor to surrender federal aid and visit business development to secede. Perhaps the biggest obstacle to national divorce is the absence of any concrete justification for separation. Most national divorce advocates say that red states must exit the union because of wokeness. Wokeness may be infuriating to millions of Americans, but for most, wokeness is an abstract concern. People are not going to give up their homes and 401ks over drag, streams, drag queen story hour. Yeah, that's the issue, huh? That's why people <laughs> want to secede. Yeah, totally. People are like, yeah. we love the federal government. We love America. We love the opposition political party. We love all of them. <laughs> the drag queen story hour happened. Like, you know what? Screw it. We're done with well, America. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely. What what if what if your kid? I mean, granted, I, I think any parent who is paying attention paying attention, their kids not transitioning at at their their public school, uh, but I can imagine someone who finds out that you know. The, the government schools are transitioning your kids, you'd be like, oh, this so is you, it's over. So you remove your kid from the school. I mean, the issue that the claim that, that wokeness is the, is the idea behind secession is absurd. The issue that people have and why they want to secede is because you're being held hostage to the national left in terms of fiscal policy, monetary policy, and foreign policy, as well as domestic policy. The idea is just like the lead up to the civil war, that sectionalism is a real thing and as demographics have shifted more towards the left, the possibility of having any kind of influence on national policies diminishing, and you're going to be held hostage paying for a bunch of stuff you don't want to pay for. So, no, to, to say that it's people wanting to see over drag queen story hour is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Huge, it's a huge straw man. Uh, and like, well, yeah, if you're going to interview most like like right even right wingers, they, you know. There, that would be one in a long list of thing, reasons why they would want yeah, to Yeah, lit number 1,000 right. on well, the list of things. Well, yeah. it might be, it could be the straw that breaks Campbell's back. It could be people are sick of this stuff. Yeah, I think so too, happens. especially when uh, I've heard stories about how like the military is starting to have required reading of a lot of like woke books and stuff that people really don't like. And there's people leaving the military and it's like destroying that institution uh, with like the critical theory aspect of it. And people Good. don't Makes like the session that. easier. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, to your point, it's like I, I think that could be a straw that breaks the camel's back because people are so against that ideology when they see it instituting, uh, infiltrating institutions that were traditionally more conservative. You know, people don't like that. Yeah. Okay. So he goes on and says uh, the civil war began when Southerners felt a direct threat to their way of life from new from the new Republican administration. They sincerely believed Abraham Lincoln would destroy their entire social and economic order by inspiring slave insurrections. Okay. But Lincoln... <laughs> I'm not sure that's true at all, but okay. Was that like Lincoln's tactic was like a... No. Lincoln <laughs> told them repeatedly, including his own inauguration, I'm not coming for your slaves. Yeah, that tactic didn't occur until two years into the war. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Lincoln's entire platform was, for the 1860 election, his entire platform said... Slavery is going to stay in the South, but I'm going to prohibit the expansion of slavery right. to the new Western territories. And that was enough for them to say, well, that means that we're going to be an increasingly small minority in national politics and we'll never have any control over the direction of the nation again. And that is the threat to our way of life, is that the fact that we'll be marginalized as a minority party forever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure they were convinced that there's going to be federally backed slave insurrections or something yeah it, it was more that he would they would take over or they would conquer a plantation and conscript the slaves right which isn't really well, the irony yes, of that. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The irony, the irony yeah. of enslaving a slave a former slave we actually did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so interesting yeah uh they sincerely believed abraham lincoln would destroy their social uh, and economic order by inspiring slave insurrections whether lincoln would have uh, done this is besides the point 
uh, the perceived threat was very real, real, and in response, Southerners took dramatic action. Most Americans view wokeness as outrageous, but not something that impacts their economic well-being or how they live. Yeah, right. ESG has no economic impact on your life. Yeah, or what your like child none. learns has no impact yeah. on your life. I don't, yeah. Uh, secession, meanwhile, very much would. Uh, the proponents of national divorce imply it could mean secession or radical states' rights. Both ideas were defeated when states were far more independent uh, of the federal government. The Civil War ended serious, uh, ended serious discussions of- uh, Might makes right. Yeah, this is, yeah, going back to the, his, his favorite analogy. This is the, the wife leaves, the husband beats her Pushed up and her in the face back in the house. she came back. And so we've resolved the idea of separating as a couple because hey, I dragged you back in the house. Honor killings and, are gonna happen, guys. Just yeah. because honor killings happen means it's okay. Well, I think a part of it is, you know, this progressive is trying to make sure that Muslims stay within the, the, the Democratic Party. Yeah. So uh, the civil rights regime ended serious discussion of radical states' rights. As uh, stated previously, the only way national divorce could occur is if the system collapses. If that happens, then there's going to be a lot of things to worry about besides states' rights, like how people are going to eat or fend off uh, <laughs> aging war bands. Yes, because the, the choice is federal tyranny or beyond Thunderdome. There is no middle ground whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I mean, right, you can go back to the point making earlier where it's like there are tons of examples throughout history of people peacefully and amicably going their separate ways uh, without the Thunderdome scenario and without, yeah, uh, without, yeah, mass death. It's like he's trying to elicit the response, give me liberty or give me death. Like, like how, about, how about Czechoslovakia? When you had the Czechs and the Slovaks were just like, we don't like you. I mean, you don't like us. Let's stop being a country. And they did. Yeah, Nor <laughs> Norway and Sweden, <laughs> Soviet satellite states. Um, you know, that's how I did my marriage. <laughs> I don't like you. Okay, I'm keeping the house. <laughs> you know, right? So you do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, continuing. Uh, national divorce is less a serious response to America's problems than an exciting new plot line spun up by conservative entertainment complex. Uh, national divorce is more interesting than the normal political process. There's no need to trouble yourself with the complexities of American politics. You can create your own nation instead. Uh, while conservatives <laughs> rightly mock, uh, just build your own Facebook, they Why somehow they believe that? Just build your own uh, Facebook. I don't know. And it's not even though, like, you're, ha you're not having to build the, it ex the like, for, to use Texas as an example, they have a state government and a state legislature in place already. You don't have. One of the things to keep in mind about, I mean, we're using Texas as an example of secession, of course, because that's where there's the strongest sentiment. But people don't realize that on its own, if Texas became a country tomorrow, it's the 10th largest economy in the world. It has an economy larger than Canada's. It has an economy larger than Italy's, an economy larger than Russia's. Uh, they do have a state government. They do have a massive tax base. There's not building anything. It's just we're not going to be held hostage by the federal government. Yeah, he's, he's, he's saying it as though you're going into just an empty, unsettled plot of land that yes. needs to have infrastructure built and all this stuff as though. By the way, that happened in America's history, too, when we expanded westward. Yeah. And, and that's things, happened yeah. before. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, um, real quick, by the way, uh, I looked it up. 11 states left the National Education Association. Um, 20 sta 26 state school boards have distanced themselves. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's in the entirety of the funding. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, a, that's, a, that's not even a federal thing, dude. That's, that's a labor union. Uh, they just okay. said we don't like a teacher's union. That's got it, it got it. That's a good, that's a good start. Well, te Texas for, already has their own teacher's union. So why would they even be in in the first place? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's they, sort they of a non sequitur, though. Like, yeah, but, well, I like mean, they don't like the teachers' union. Okay, there's great. still there still have been yeah. states though that have been bucking the federal trends. You know, the progressives yeah. did it with marijuana. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you know, red states are doing it with abortion. And to me, that's a healthy, diverse. Yeah, that's country. actually interesting. He brings up Calhoun, right? And Calhoun first floated the idea of secession uh, when combating the tariffs under Jackson. 
right? And he floated nullification first, and then says, if you know, we if we can't nullify, we'll secede. And of course, nullification didn't even really work, uh, and all of that back then. So, but nullification is what started the secession movement to begin with. Why doesn't this guy discuss the fact that multiple states are in fact nullifying federal law right now? What, 30 yeah. something states, 35 states are nullifying federal law and marijuana. Um, the first nullification that's been successful was actually in the 80s when Oregon nullified some immigration law. So there has Sanctuary been- states? Is yeah, that- exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Sanctuary and in, and, and in those cases, the government threatened to withhold funding and probably did, and they just right. dealt with it. So, so we are already further along on the continuum than they were in the 1830s. He says, uh, while conservatives rightly mock uh, the Just Build Your Own Facebook, they somehow believe building your own nation is much easier. It is not easy at all. Uh, people don't want to hear that. They feel they can't affect political process, the political process at all, so they want to leave. But if your movement can't gain political power within the current system, you can't secede. That's it's so bad. That's literally where secession comes from. If you have political power, you don't secede because you had political power. Yeah. That is the, I, yeah. What the hell is wrong with him? Was he dropped <laughs> on his head as a child? <laughs> oh, dude. By the way, I bet you if you went back at all of his stories that he wrote while Trump was president, I bet you you can find a lot of things that would align with secession. Yeah, I think there's a lot or of nullification. There's a lot of lines he could have taken. Like he could. We, he could have taken the line that we've gone over over this, uh, you know, talking multiple times of like for the abortion example, if states start ban, the reason that uh, a national divorce is not acceptable is because certain states are going to ban abortion and that's not acceptable. We can't have people in states that don't have access to abortion from the leftist perspective. So we need a national we yeah, need I mean, the death need of federalism is why secession is inevitable. The yeah. answer to this is not secession, by the way. The answer has always been federalism. Let Californians do stupid California stuff. Let Texans do stupid Texas stuff. And let everybody not be affected by the votes cast outside of their state. Uh, but because we've nationalized policy on literally everything, that means that you are at the mercy of New York and California voters. Right. So, hey, how about if you don't want secession, you start pushing for federalism. But like you said, they're, they're saying we can't have federalism. We have to have national policy on everything that guarantees a, a secession crisis. Yeah, they also don't want diversity outside of the progressive party. Yeah. OK, so, yeah, so he says, uh, but if you uh, if your movement can't gain political power within the current system, you can't secede. Uh, the <laughs> it's, it's so, I'm sorry, it's such a dumb line. <laughs> the only way you can leave the government is if you control the government. Because naturally, if you control the government, you would want to leave the government and not just control the government. I mean, what? It, what? It's, it reminds me of the argument that you hear all the time from um, the, the regulation fans of, of the woke progressives and why we need more regulation. And they're like, powerful moneyed interests uh, control national policy. So we need more regulation of the powerful moneyed interests that they already control the government. We like, what are you talking? Are you, are you insane? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Continuing with Mr. Greer, uh, the American revolution wasn't led by discord admins. It kind of was, or it wasn't led by it, but it, it began by it. Like we just like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Confederacy wasn't led by obscure podcasters. The nationalists uh, in Spain weren't led by self-help grifters. They were all led by people with power and influence uh, in the order they rebelled against. So yeah, all the states that seceded. Again, not true. That's not true with the American Revolution. The, the founding fathers or the leaders of that revolution didn't have power in parliament. Well, they didn't have power in parliament, but they were very influential and powerful in their state governments. They were very wealthy. It was a revolution yeah, which that is... was launched by the top that had a lot of power and influence. But yeah. the, the point that he's, he's mistaking is that often people with power and influence are the ones who are going to start the actual movement. But they don't start this movement out of whole cloth. They read things. They discuss things. Um, what really gets it started are philosophers, Right. Do you think we would have an American Revolution without Thomas Paine? Probably not. We have an American Revolution without John Locke. Certainly not. Mm -hmm. 
but does when anybody point to John Locke and you know who wrote a book a hundred years before uh, we have all of this stuff happening and say, well, I mean, yeah, like if you don't, you have to have power to start all these ideas. No, you have to have an idea yeah. that somebody well, with power reads and agrees with. If you even look at like communism and Karl Marx, he was just like some obscure communist who wrote a book about his philosophy and that it had insane ripple effects on history. Right. And he was not somebody with power and influence. Mm -hmm. He was a disheveled, homeless lunatic ranting <laughs> in print and somehow changed the world more than just about anyone else in human history. Yeah. And one of the things that like a lot of libertarians talking heads now are kind of rejoicing at is the idea that as we go further and further, the people getting political office are more and more kind of regarded as buffoons and numbskulls and like like you're getting more and more john fetterman's even marjorie taylor green is kind of wild aoc like yeah so but but, as, but yeah as these things start to happen people are going to start looking for alternatives as like the government that they've been taught to regard as highly respectable and uh the fact that you're a senator is supposed to mean something uh that you're like an intellectual you're impressive as that becomes less and less to sell, uh, easy to sell to people, people are going to start to look for alternatives, and it's entirely possible that ideas like secession can gain traction in that kind of environment, as opposed to like when people are regarding their public officials as like astute scholars or impressive people. Exactly. I mean, really, what he's saying here is that you can't start a bonfire by flicking a lighter at a pile of logs. Well, mm -hmm. that's correct. It requires kindling. And yeah. uh, there are stages to these things occurring. And we're in stage one. And he's saying, therefore, it's not possible to ever go to stage two. It's it's a political Zeno's paradox. You can never move forward because in order to move forward, you have to go half the distance. And there's half the distance of that and half the distance of that. And it rec it's recursive all the way to infinity. So you can't ever take a step forward. That's really what he's saying, which, of course, is obviously delusional and insane. Like there are steps. We're at step one. That doesn't mean that we'll ever get to step 20. Yeah. But the next step is step two, not step 20. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, I think uh, a lot of people see politics as performative entertainment. Secession would be very entertaining. Oh, so I mean, hilarious. Yeah, I, I actually could see it just in the age of online gambling. Oh man, I'm so in on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, we're, we're coming close to the end of it. So, uh, where is it? Where were we? Okay, without any uh political power or influence, the call the calls for national divorce are just screams in the void. This is not a black pill, it is a call to face reality. We have to work to gain political and cultural power within our current system. That requires boring and grudging work, not just wishing away the current system through fantastical delusions. If things are get really bad, then real power gives you the means to separate. Right now, conservatives have neither uh, the will nor the means to separate. The empire is here to stay and we have to move forward with that my national divorce is merely a fantasy you're bored man this person this person could have read 19 like they could have written 1984 we're we're against the wow. session professional because... bootlicker that's impressive <laughs> yeah but his solution it was literally vote harder <laughs> like, i don't really, even think he said no, he never but, even but said vote harder no but he's, he's saying like, no, we, we, he's, he's saying we need to uh, elect republicans serious republicans that can do the boring grudging work to establish political power so that they don't need to separate. I'm going to feed this into ChatGPT later and ask ChatGPT to use this as a source text to draft a letter as to why the uh, the rebellion should not rebel against Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> it should be pretty entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we also use this as uh why uh florida should not get rid of desantis because he's too powerful <laughs> yeah exactly he's an entrenched po political powerful person so yeah. sorry i guess you can't you, get rid of him you I mean, can never get rid of the king putin's incredibly powerful too and he's invading ukraine yeah why are we even fighting him <laughs> that's just ridiculous he's so powerful <laughs> yeah well, yeah that was pathetic is this getting traction is this like a thing that people are discussing well, this like, is i think we're discussing mtg but are people discussing this greer dude because well, i mean holy crap that was stupid. when i when i hear people <laughs> speak out against the session 
they hit a lot of the points that he brings up in this article. Wow. Which none of them it's are too hard. That issue was settled in uh, the civil war. So, yes. Might makes right is, is the important yeah. political principle that we should always which strive is, to adhere to. Yeah. Which is holy ins- shit. He has his IQ in his Twitter bio. <laughs> oh. was, was it seven? <laughs> He said 187. He's probably just making shit up. That is absolutely making shit up. Does, okay. Does he have his pronouns? Does he have no, he its pronouns? He said it's a daily caller alum. Author of No Campus for White Men. Yeah, he's a conservative, Matt. You keep thinking he's a progressive. He's yeah. not a progressive. Oh my god. This is a conservative. <laughs> this is a conservative. Oh, I thought you were just saying I actually meant that. I would, Jerry. I thought you were just, Up until now, I thought you were trolling him. I didn't think. Yeah. You actually, I didn't realize you actually thought he was. Yeah, which is. I, I didn't. I didn't bat an eye because I was like, "That is kind of funny." This is a conservative talking to conservatives. Right. Yes, this is from his highly respectable. Substack.com. Go check him out, people. Uh, national. Yeah. I mean, he is right about the conservatives in our government. Like, you know, or at least eighty percent of them, right? Like that's how. 80% of the conservatives in Congress believe. And clearly, you know, he's obviously right about the fact that if McCarthy or McConnell aren't saying it, then the idea has no merit because everyone knows they're the thought leaders of modern America. <laughs> exactly. They absolutely give a crap what those two hack morons have to say about anything. Hmm. McConnell just said in an interview that uh, the Ukraine war is the most important thing in the world right now. And it's the thing that Americans need to, because this was in response to him being asked, uh, what he thought of poll numbers that said Americans were starting to be over the Ukraine war and U.S.'s United States involvement in it, and McConnell vows to raise those numbers and get people on board. With- it's super important to take taxpayer funds out of Ohio and send them to um, to the Ukraine, right? That it's yeah. not like Ohio is dealing with any problems right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I particularly love too, that people know that we wasted two million dollars blowing up balloons. Like that's a, that's a real tangible thing that people can actually understand as they struggle. Do people to make know it that? this economy? Well, only some pothead anarchist libertarian moron would say we shouldn't use four hundred thousand dollar missiles to pop balloons. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I that's like popular for like political discourse for people to do that I think is just the weirdest thing is get super upset when political officials don't go to particular locations like uh, like your physical presence is a banishes the evil spirit I don't get that people on both sides do this of like it's superstition we now live in superstition your presence matters Um, and the whole thing like we have to tear down every site of a tragedy there's a school shooting tear down the school someone gets murdered in a house tear down the house yeah evil ghosts might actually uh you know pollute your mind you can't just i don't know clean the carpet slap on some new paint i would get not wanting to send your kid to that school though but then because you're because you believe in superstitious nonsense or the ghosts infect your kid you you said telling me if your kid witnessed a school shooting you'd be like go back into that school so you can look at that (laughs) home to tear the school down no no no. i'm not saying build an identical school i'm saying i would just send my kid to a different school i understand people not wanting to send their kid to that school again but i don't i agree with you. you shouldn't tear it down just other kids go to that school we don't have the same trauma associated with that building. Yeah, sending your kid to state school is the problem. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, don't send, or at least don't send them to a state school that doesn't lock their doors during the day. And, and have uh, armed teachers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that one's on you. But yeah, just the yeah, they people got upset that Kamala Harris didn't go to the border. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you to think that Kamala Harris can actually do something, especially if she's even if she's there or not. Like, I don't know. People, people, love, people love optics. People think that if they get closer to the problem that they'll have a better understanding of how to solve it, which I don't think is a crazy thing to think. But the, the second step is them actually solving the problem, which is they're not going to. So The idea cool. that political talking hairdos solve problems is how we got into this mess in the first place. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're, they have nothing to contribute. I mean, the best they can do is write a check to some organization that's on the scene doing it, and they can do that from literally anywhere in the world. So 
I don't know. I don't really understand the idea that that yeah. needs to be there in person if you get a photo op so that you can shake some hands and get hugs with strange kids who are forced to go up and talk to the weird old people. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what politics are. It's just well, yeah. optics. In, in East Palestine, it's irrelevant case, if Trump, you solve any problem. Trump goes down there and now, I mean, everybody was already voting for him in East Palestine, to be fair. But now all the Trump supporters get to be like, hey, look, he actually cares. He showed up on the ground. I and, believe and also- he gets to be like, Biden didn't show up for you. I showed up for you. Sure. I mean, there's a, there are political reasons to do it. Yeah. But understand also, that it's pure optics. It's totally yeah. meaningless. And the people who get mad that someone doesn't do that are delusional and, and being stupid. Yeah. In yeah. fairness, though, FEMA was not going to help them out. And then Trump went there and then FEMA helped them out. So that's actually, it? that's real. Was Post it? Talk, ergo, propter, hawk. Okay. Was it the EPA? So. Do y'all, I, did y'all, I don't like, speak Latin, Drew. You doesn't tell me what that it's means. It's a fallacy. Something happened after something else happened. Therefore, the uh, initial action was the cause of the later action. There's no but connection the, between FEMA and Trump. Trump has no power over the federal government. Trump uh, had power over the federal government when, when he was, was president. president. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is the federal government was like, oh, these are bad optics. Trump is, uh, is trying to become president again, and this is going to help them. I think Therefore, the bad let's send FEMA. thousands of talking heads and pundits who pointed out that the EPA said it was too dangerous for their investigators to go to the site, but the water is safe to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Yay. optic had more of an impact than, uh, than anything else. Wait, so as, do y'all know the details of this enough? Like, did so the train derailed, and then was it the EPA decided to blow up the train because they, decided they thought to burn that- all the toxic chemicals? Yeah. And make is them that, all air, airborne aerosols, right? Like that's that's the good plan. So which it, which it helps was, out climate change, right? Somehow. I, I think it was a it was a chemical that needed to be refrigerated. So that is if it was unrefrigerated, it had the same it would release chemicals regardless. So they decided to burn it in a controlled way. Um an uncontrolled way. And does anybody but, know what the combustion products of this are? I don't nah, know. screw that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out by how these hillbillies react to the I, I may be stupid but like I would just go with the fucking like uh Simpsons movie just dome over the whole thing yeah that took him a long time to build that whole structure but like I don't know or if there's, like there's yeah. a better way <laughs> dump kitty later on it I don't know yeah coffee grounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 Well, sucks to be them. Glad I don't live there. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad I don't live there before this ever happened. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think right. we. Uh, I think we pissed off everybody on the face of the earth. That's the whole of this. Uh, whatever this is. Lock yeah. this one in the vault. <laughs>